First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, do you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, more often than not, in the years that I've been blessed to serve as your pastor, I brought a special Thanksgiving uh, message to you. And of course, we know that Thanksgiving is not a, a biblical holiday per se. It's, it's a, an American holiday, but it is one that is rooted uh, in a uh, key biblical theme, that theme of thankfulness to God. It's, it's something we've been commanded to do in the pages of Scripture, to give thanks to the Lord. And uh, again, so on most years, I've taken the opportunity to kind of get us thinking about uh, being thankful and the importance of that, what the Bible has to say about that. Uh, But I think we would all agree that this year has not been a normal year. And and so as I prayed and thought about that, uh, about a Thanksgiving message uh, on this particular Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day of this year, 2020, uh, which has been, by all accounts, a long and difficult and uh, trial-filled year. Uh, the question I want us to think about today is, is this. How do we get our hearts in the right place to thank God on this particular Thanksgiving? Uh, I think we can learn a lot from uh, the folks we're going to talk about today, the Israelites who were with Moses in the wilderness more than 3,000 years ago. And so before we read this passage in Deuteronomy 8, just to kind of set the, uh, the scene for us, the stage for us, remember that God's people were slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. And God raised up Moses and through Moses, he rescued his people, redeemed them from bondage in Egypt. He led them in a miraculous way across the Red Sea on dry ground. He brought them uh, to Mount Sinai where he gave them the law, gave them the Ten Commandments and all the rest. He brought them right to the brink of the promised land that he had promised to Abraham centuries before. But when they got to the brink of the promised land, you remember uh, that they got scared. They, They were filled with fear because of the giants that were in the land. And they did not have the faith to believe the promises of God and to enter into the promised land. And so because of that, God said that they would wander in the desert for the next 40 years. And that that entire generation, those that were 40 years and older would die during that 40 year period in the wilderness. And when we come to Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, those 40 years have already come and gone. Uh, now Moses is at the very end of his life. Moses is now 120 years old. Uh, God has uh, already said that he is going to appoint a new leader, Joshua, who will lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And so here in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is giving what, what amounts to a farewell speech to the nation of Israel. Before he departs the scene, he has a few things he wants to say to them. And that's really what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's a collection of speeches, messages given by Moses to the people of God in this last year of Moses's life. Moses wants to remind them about some of the lessons that they learned, or at least some of the lessons they should have learned. Uh, He wants to encourage them uh, to move into the promised land by faith and to keep living for the Lord after they get there. And so with that in mind, let's jump in and read our passage for today. Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 1. 
Moses said, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you." Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing." A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that even today, Lord, you would fill our hearts with thanks and with gratitude because of who you are, because of what you have done even this year in 2020. And so, God, would you speak to every one of our hearts, we pray. Speak to us through your word that you've given. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit who fills us and who is with us even now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so back to our question. How can we, in this crazy year of 2020, in this particular Thanksgiving, how can we thank the Lord? As we walk through this passage, I want to share with you three actions that I believe that we should all take this Thanksgiving. First off, we just need to recognize that this has been a desert season for many people. Now, again, these people, the Israelites, literally spent 40 years of their lives walking around in the desert. Now, that's hard for us, I think, to wrap our minds around, and certainly we have not experienced that. Uh, We haven't experienced anything that comes close to that. But I think we would all agree that this year, at least since March, right, at least since uh, this uh, coronavirus pandemic really began to to hit hard and the shutdowns began, uh, that that this year, most of this year has felt like a desert season uh, for all of us. Uh, Most people would not describe 2020 as a mountaintop experience, right? Am I right on that? Uh, I mean, I don't know how you could describe it as a mountaintop experience because all the experiences at the tops of all the mountains have been closed, right, due to the pandemic, uh, right? It, it hadn't been a day at the spa because the spa has been closed too, right? Everything has been closed and, and canceled. Even, even Thanksgiving has been canceled in a lot of states. Thankfully, not in Florida, but, but in some states, right, they're, they're limiting how many people you can do Thanksgiving with. Now, I wondered, how, how do you do that when you're an adult parent, right? You have like three grown kids and they all have like four kids of their own and, you know, you're over the limit, right? <laughs> so how do you pick, right? Timmy, I'm sorry, um, I don't love you as much as your brother or your sister. And so maybe next Thanksgiving, you know, will be your year. I'm not sure, but that's just par for the course in 2020. Hadn't been a mountaintop, it's been a desert. And, and, and like a desert, it, it's been dry, 
It's been spiritually dry, relationally dry, emotionally dry. It's been isolating. It's been a period of time where you feel like or have felt like you're probably wandering around aimlessly, not really sure where this is going. That's how they felt for 40 years. Maybe you've wondered at some point this year, which is only natural to do, why has God allowed this pandemic to take place in the first place? What is he trying to accomplish? Now, now to be clear, I'm certainly not claiming that I know all the reasons why God has allowed this to take place. I don't think any, any person, any human being is able to see even a fraction of all of the effects that this has had in people's lives all over the world. But, but I do know this. I do know from God's word that in each of our lives, he does not allow anything to come into our lives that is not a part of his plan for us. This past week, I was listening to a radio program on our church's station, uh, WCIF. They have a little program there called Two Minutes with Tony, with Pastor Tony Evans. And I loved how he put this. He said, uh, God never says oops about something that happens in our lives. Now, he never says oops because he never makes any mistakes, right? Whatever he does is always done on purpose. What the Lord showed me this week as I studied this passage in Deuteronomy is that a lot of the very same purposes that the Lord allowed the Israelites to wander in the desert for 40 years, I believe are some of the very same purposes of why he has allowed us to wander in our desert in this year of 2020. This isn't an exhaustive list, but these are just a few reasons why God allows his people at times to experience desert seasons. First of all, he does it to humble us, to humble us. Look at verse two. He says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to humble you. One commentator said that word humbled there means to be aware, to become aware of how meager our resources are and to become aware of how dependent we really are on the resources of God. I don't think anything taught the children of Israel that principle more than what verse 3 is about, and that is the manna that God supplied them with every morning. A manna was a, a white, flaky substance that God uh, had miraculously produced on the ground every morning. And uh, the word manna means, what is it? Because that's what they said when they saw it, right? What is this stuff? And this unfamiliar food that they would eat, and it's what they ate for 40 Years And God miraculously supplied it. Uh, in fact, he didn't supply it every single day. When you read uh, earlier on and when this began, uh, he provided it five days a week. And on the sixth day, he provided twice as much so that on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day, they wouldn't go out and collect anything on the Sabbath day. And so I don't know how you could uh, go out of your tent every day and five days there's this much and one day there's twice as much and one day it's not there at all and not realize that this is God who is supernaturally providing for your every need. And how humbling it must have been to realize that they were in no control over that whatsoever. Think about that. Every day they went out of their tent, they would eat that day only if God gave the manna that day like he gave it the day before. I think perhaps God has been trying to humble us this year in 2020 as well to realize we're not in as much control of our lives as we like to think we are. God is God and we are 
not. And maybe he has used the desert of 2020 and some of our lives to do just that, to humble us, to remind us that he really is the one who is on the throne. God also uses the desert, though, to test us, to test us. Look at verse 2 again with me. You shall remember the Lord your God has led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God tells his people, not only did I intend to humble you through this, I intended to test you through this. Now, to be clear, a test is different than a temptation. The Bible clearly says in the book of James that God does not tempt us to evil, but he does at times test us. He tested Abraham, you might recall, in Genesis 22 when he called him to sacrifice his son Isaac. He tests the children of Israel here. He says so, and he he tests us as well in various ways. Now, God doesn't test us uh, in order that he might learn something about us. When it says to know what was in your heart, of course, we know God already knows what's in our heart. He already knows how uh, we're going to come through that particular test. But really the one who learns what's in our heart when we go through a test is us, right? Well, the way we come through that test shows what was in our heart to begin with. The test reveals the character of our hearts. Think about some of the ways in 2020 that God has tested us. I think one of the basic tests in this pandemic has been how will we handle this threat to our health and our safety Will we respond to it in our hearts with fear or with faith? That's a test. Another test he's given this year. How will we handle it when things we were looking forward to are taken away? A lot of that has happened this year. Will we respond to that with frustration and anger and bitterness? Or will we respond to that with faith and and with joy? Another test in 2020, how will we use all the free time that we have been given? That's not true for everybody, but for some in 2020, more free time. There was a test there. Will we invest it or will we waste it? I think another test, a spiritual test, is how would we handle it when the church was closed or moved online, which happened for us for several months during this year of 2020. During that time, would we drift in our relationship with the Lord or would we choose to press in even closer in our relationship with him? Again, God already knew how each of us would do with all of these tests, but now we know. And so the question for each of us is, how did we do with our test in 2020? Maybe maybe you would say, by God's grace, I I feel like I've passed those tests. And if so, thank God and praise God for preparing your heart. If you might say, you know, I'm not so sure I passed all the tests this year. Well, then confess that to God. Ask his forgiveness. Don't compound the mistakes by drifting even more from the Lord. Instead, press into the Lord and your relationship with him starting today. Because what does the Bible say? His mercies are new every morning. We can start fresh today in our relationship with with him. So he wanted to test us. He wanted to humble us. I think also in 2020, he wanted to teach us. If you look with me at verse 5, he writes, You should know in your heart, That as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Now the word chasten there could also be translated disciplines you. God disciplines us just like a father disciplines his son. 
Uh, In Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament, we find that same principle that God treats us like a father. And when he disciplines us, he isn't really so much punishing us as he is trying to train us and trying to teach us. That's what he was doing with them. He was trying to get them ready for this coming entrance into the promised land, the battles that lay ahead, to get them ready for life in the promised land that was to come. And I certainly think it's possible that for some Christians at least, God intended to use this COVID-19 situation as a form of discipline to wake us up to some things that maybe were out of whack in our life. Maybe to some things that he's been trying to get our attention about for years in softer, more subtle ways. And we never quite got the message. And so this year he said, well, how about I just shut everything in your life down for about nine months and then see if I can get your attention that way. And of course, even that God does in love. He does it to bring us back to that path, the way that he has for us, where we're really going to experience life to the full, life the way he intends it. So he wanted to teach us something this year. The question is, did we learn it? Did we learn what he wanted to teach? I think one of the things he wanted to teach all of us is what verse 3 is about. Um, you, You might notice at the end of that verse, there's familiar language there. It's a verse that Jesus quoted himself At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert. It's a clear parallel to the 40 years that the Israelites spent in their desert experience. And where they failed their test, the Lord Jesus passed his test with flying colors. At the end of that 40 days of fasting and prayer, Satan came to Jesus and he tempted him with three specific temptations. And one of those, you can imagine how tempting this would be at the end of a 40-day period, was to command that the stones be turned into bread. And all three times, all three temptations, Jesus responded with a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. Apparently it's an important book for us to understand and have in our heart. In that case, when he said, turn the stones into bread, Jesus quoted from our passage. He quoted from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. The words you see at the end of that verse, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. There there is physical bread and then there is spiritual bread. And in this year, when so much of our physical bread, so much of what we normally turn to to satisfy and to nourish and to fill us has been taken from us, the question is, will we learn that what we really needed all along more than the physical bread was the spiritual bread, the word that comes out of his mouth? What we really need is this word if we want to live and not just exist, as one person put it. And so, Christian, did you learn that this year? Did I learn that this year? How, how tragic would it be if we got to the end of 2020 and we were no more, no hungrier for the Word of God than we were when the year started? I think this year the Lord wanted to teach us that we will not live by that bread alone, but we need to live by this bread, by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. I hope that's a lesson we learn. I hope it's a lesson we'll never forget. Yes, this has been a desert season, but even in this desert season, the Lord has been at work. The Lord has been humbling us and testing us and teaching us many things. A second action we need to take, though, not only recognize it's been a desert season, but also remember, remember how God has cared for us in the desert. You look at verse 2 again, look at how that begins. You shall remember 
that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. That, that word remember shows up all over the book of, of Deuteronomy. And many places, when you don't see the word remember, what you see is the same point stated negatively where God says, do not forget. Even here in chapter 8, he says in verse 2 and verse 18 to remember, but in verse 11 and verse 14 and verse 19, he says, do not forget. It reminds me of that great Thanksgiving psalm, Psalm 103, that starts out this way, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God tells us to forget not because we are prone to forget. We have to be told, we have to be commanded to remember because we tend not to remember. We tend to forget and we can forget when times are hard, like in 2020, sometimes it's easy to forget how good God has been, how faithful God has been. And we just kind of focus in on the negative and become negative Nellies because we're forgetting the goodness of God. But, But sometimes we also can forget God's goodness when things are going really, really well. And actually, if you look at verse 11, all the way down to the end of the chapter, we don't have time to study that half of the chapter today, but but that's really the point that Moses is making starting in verse 11. He says, once you get to the promised land, and once you're not in a desert anymore, but you're in a good land, and you look around you, and everything is is hunky-dory, everything is going great, don't think that everything's going great because you're so awesome. Realize that everything is going great because I have blessed you, and everything that you have comes from my hand. Don't forget the humbling. Don't forget what I taught you when you were in the desert. We need to remember. And Moses reminds them of some of the things they need to remember specifically. He says that they need to remember in verse 2 how God led them every day those 40 years. You remember that God led them in a very dramatic way, right? God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. It literally led them everywhere they went in the 40 years in the desert. It, it, it stopped when they needed to stop and set up their camp. It picked up and moved when they needed to pick up and move. He literally led them for 40 years. And of course, God has led us during this year of 2020. He's led us by his spirit. He's led us by his word. He's led us day by day, just as he's been faithful to do every year of our lives. Not only has he led us, but he has fed us. Again, he fed them with manna every day. And he's fed us. He's fed us physically. He's fed us spiritually. Then in verse 4, Moses reminds them of something else God did. How God protected them and provided for them. In verse 4, he said, Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Now that's pretty amazing to think about that, right? They didn't have a J.C. Penney out there in the middle of the desert, right? There were no Amazon trucks driving around doing a next day delivery, right? And, and yet their garments did not wear out for 40 years. Their shoes did not wear out, right? Their feet did not get blisters and sores. They were able to keep on walking during that entire 40 years. Why? Because God miraculously provided and protected his people and church even this year. We need to stop and remember that God has provided for us provided for us as individuals and as families. He's provided for us as a church family in a way I could not even have imagined when this pandemic first began, how faithful and how good God has been. We should never forget it. He was faithful to us even in this desert year of 2020. So we need to recognize that it's been a desert. We need to remember how God has been faithful to us. And then number three, we need to respond to God even in the desert, 
with the right heart. Again, it's been a difficult year. Uh, I'm sure there are many people who, if you're honest, you are counting down the days till 2020 is over, right? You, you know how many days it is until January 1st of 2021. And you, you're hoping 2021 is going to be better, right? It's almost like, how could it be worse right, than, than this year? It has, has to be better. And, and yet, e- even now, even while we're still in this, this desert of 2020, how can we have the right heart of, for God, the right response to him? What does that look like? Well, look at verse 6 with me. He says, therefore, so after everything I've written so far, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. And so first off, church, we respond with the right heart by obeying God. Now that's where the right response to God begins. In fact, if you look at verse one, it's how Moses started the chapter. Every commandment, which I command you today, you must be careful to Observe. He's calling them to obedience. He's calling them to obey the commandments of the Lord. Now, maybe somebody might say, now, hold on a minute, you know, preacher, right? This is the Old Testament you're reading from, and we don't live under that Old Testament covenant anymore. We live under the New Testament covenant of grace. And so is it really that important that we obey the commandments of the Lord anymore? And you remember that the Apostle Paul Uh, realize that people were going to take his teaching that way, that we're saved by grace and not by keeping the law. And so he already responded to that type of thinking. Look at what he said in Romans chapter six. He said, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." And so Paul reminds us that sin and disobedience is a pathway that leads to slavery. It's like going back and putting our hands in the handcuffs again and being chained up again when we've already been set free because of what Christ has done for us. He's given us a heart that that wants to obey him. Back in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 6, I love the end of that verse where Moses says to walk in his ways and to fear him or to reverence him. You know, our fear and our reverence for the Lord should cause us to want to obey him and want to honor him. I know it was like that um, just with my dad growing up, you know, because of the love that I had for my dad, because of the reverence and the respect that I had for him, I I wanted him to be pleased with me, right? I I wanted him as his son, right, for him to be proud of me. And, and by the way, just as an aside, that's why it's so important for us as moms and dads to tell our kids that we are proud of them. That's something that their soul needs to know and needs to understand. But, but it should be the same way for us in our relationship with God, that because we love him, because we reverence him, that we want to please him. We want to obey him from the heart because of what he has done in our lives. And so obedience is where the right response Begins, Friend, what has Jesus commanded you to do in 2020? Is there something he's told you to stop? Is there something he's told you to start? And right now, before this year ends, are you being obedient to him in that area of your life? Here's the second part of the right response. We need to trust God. So we obey God, but also we trust God. 
In in verses 7 to 9, Moses reminds the people of God where uh, the Lord was going to take him. He he describes to them again what the promised land, the land of Canaan, was going to be like. Look at verse 7. He says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And so in verse 7, he says this promised land is going to be a place with an abundant water supply. Now, don't forget how important that was for people living in this day and age, right? This was before indoor plumbing, before the Culligan Man, before Zephyr Hills, right? And so for them to hear, we're going to a place that has an abundant water supply. In verse 8, he says, you're going to a place that has all the food you could ever want. You're not going to lack for anything. Verse 9, he says, you're going to a place that is also rich with mineral resources, iron, copper, everything else. This, this is the land that God has promised you. This is the good land, he says, where God has promised to take you. And Moses is calling them to trust in that promise of God to take them to that good land. Church, we need to trust in God's promises to us as well. You know, just even in our immediate future, We need to trust the Lord, to trust that he is at work, to trust that better days are ahead. Sometimes we can be so focused on what's going on right around us that we forget that he is is at work. I believe that this uh, situation with COVID-19 will will one day come to an end. There will be a day when when it will and things will get better. As I look ahead to next year, I'm, I'm excited even just with what God is doing in our church as we turn the page to 2021. Uh, excited to see many of our uh, members of our church family we haven't been able to see as much this year because of this pandemic. Uh, excited to see in the first few months of next year being able to vote on our new uh, worship center and being able to see ground broken on that. It's going to be exciting. As I think about also announcing our first church planter beginning of next year and uh, our first church plant going out, it's going to be an exciting year in 2021 in the immediate future. But also just biblically, as we kind of back up from the immediate future and look at what has God actually promised us? What has God promised to do for every believer? He has promised that one day better days are ahead. Now those days may not be here, but those days will definitely be there, right? He has promised us that he is taking us to a better country, a heavenly country. He reminds us throughout his word that we are citizens of that kingdom. And one day that kingdom will come. And one day that king will reign, a new heaven and a new earth. And he tells us throughout his word to keep our mind fixed on things above, not on things of the earth below. To remember he has promised better days, to trust in him, to trust in his promise, no matter how hard or how difficult things may be here. So a right response to God in 2020 means we obey him. It means we trust him. But then also this Thanksgiving, of course, it means that we thank him. If you look in verse 10, the last verse we read, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. So Moses is now jumping ahead a little bit uh, to when God's people would be in that promised land. And he says, when you have eaten and you're full. Now that, that sounds a lot like Thanksgiving Day to me. Does it sound like that? I'm planning on eating and being full, right, this, this Thursday. Anybody else planning on, on that? Right, and he says, when that happens, when you've eaten and you are full, to bless the Lord. 
The, the word bless means to, to kneel down and to bless him or praise him with gratitude in your heart. Church, we need to do that same thing. We need to bless the Lord with gratitude in our heart, not just on Thursday, but every day because of who he is, because of his goodness, because of what he has done. I know we haven't entered into that good land just yet. That promised land, the fullness of our salvation is still in the future. But we have entered into our salvation. And we have the seal, the guarantee of that salvation in our hearts in the person of the Holy Spirit. There are evidences of God's goodness and God's grace all around us if we'll have the eyes to see them. And so even in this desert of 2020, let's get down on our knees and thank God and bless God this Thanksgiving. Thank God for who he is, for what he has done, even this year in 2020. Again, I, I know it's, it's, it's been a difficult year, a difficult year for different people in, in different ways, and for some it's been harder than for others. Some of you have lost some things in 2020. Uh, some in, in our church have lost loved ones uh, this year. This will be the first Thanksgiving without them. Uh, some in our church have lost jobs this year. Some have lost other experiences this year, things that may not come back because they were things that were planned and maybe were supposed to happen in this year of your life that haven't happened as you planned. As I was preparing for this message, though, this is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. I think he was saying to give to the Lord the things that were lost in 2020 and trust the Lord. Trust the Lord that some things have been found in 2020 that maybe we didn't even know were lost. And Christian, I know there may be some of you who would say and just kind of hold up your hand and say, I feel like I've wrestled this year with, with frustration. I've wrestled this year with bitterness in my heart. And I just want to encourage you, don't end 2020 with a bitter heart towards the Lord. Allow him to work in your heart, even this week, this week of Thanksgiving, to give that bitterness to him, to give whatever you've lost to him and trust that some things have been found that maybe you didn't know were lost He's been using this desert season in all of our lives. He's been using it for our good. He's been using it to make us more like Christ. He's been humbling us. He's been testing us. He's been teaching us. He's been reminding us of some things that maybe we had forgotten. And I, I want to invite you, if, if maybe you'd say, yeah, I think that's kind of where my heart has been, and I, I just need to, to give that to the Lord today. We're, we're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to ask you just to come and just kneel here at the altar and just pray and just give whatever that bitterness is, whatever is on your heart to the Lord. Ask him just to fill you with gratitude this year for who he is and what he's done in your life as you enter into this Thanksgiving season. I know just a minute ago I was talking about how some things were lost this year and some other things were found. Maybe at the beginning of this year you would say, I was lost. I, I didn't come into 2020 with a personal relationship with, with God, but maybe God wants that to change before 2020 is over. He wants you to be found. And you can be found today. Maybe that's why you're here right now. So on this Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, you can open up your heart to the Lord. His son, Jesus, who died for you, paid for your sins and mine, who rose again on the third day. 
so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be his son, his daughter, become a part of his family. And that invitation is open to every single one of us in this room. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. And if that's you, I wanna ask you to come and speak with me or one of the other pastors. We'd love to pray with you about receiving that gift of the Lord Jesus into your heart. You come, let's, let's sing together.